to the Grunge Bible's Valentine's Day episode. Ooh la la. Ooh. My name is Ethan Shalloway, and I'm joined by the lovely Chris Salona. Today we have Cupid in the room. <laughs> Cupid's arrow strikes. You know, in the past we've done, I think we tried to do a, a Valentine's theme, didn't we? We did a love we songs episode it. in 2022, I think, this yeah, week. Yeah, we did. We did, we kind of played with the the holidays the first few times when we were figuring it out, but I'm so glad we're not doing that today. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Like, <laughs> I oh, let's to talk say. about the love songs and yeah. You know, no, there's nothing to say. So, uh, welcome. This is the 151st episode of the Grunge Bowl Podcast, um, and we're really excited to be here. It's gonna be a fun one. Uh, Chris, we're recording midweek Wednesday, and I just want to do a check in. How you doing midweek? I am good, man. Uh, work has been pretty busy this week. Uh, as you know, things are really crazy at the start of the year. Things are a little hectic and we've all been there. Oh, um, yeah. things are good. Um, I'm lifting really, really well. Um, my life is going pretty well. Um, I'm energized. I've been sleeping really well. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, have, I don't really have anything to complain about right now. I'm excited. I'm, I'm pretty jacked up and it's weird, uh, dude. We're both kind of on. We're both on the same, you know, trail here. Well, in the words of well. Cornell, we're down on the upside. It's turned, <laughs> it's it's turned back around, and I like it. Yeah, every time it's like a jinx when we come on here and say like they're right. doing well because we have four days until this comes out that we need to continue doing yeah. well or it's a lie. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's like that TikTok sound. Like, what do you say we keep these good vibes going? <laughs> yeah. How are yeah, you? Yeah. So I am doing well. Yeah, I'm doing Great. really well. I am. Just hammering away, sticking to the script. Oh yeah, you know, waking up. The script up. has been hugely important to start script, this year. The script is, has been really good, well written this year, and uh, it's it's going well. I'm heading to Baton Rouge, Louisiana tomorrow for a javelin clinic for the weekend. Pretty excited mm-hmm. about that. It's one of my favorites every year. Mm-hmm. Apparently, crawfish prices have raised, which suck. Fuck. Yep, they used to be like three. Is nothing sacred anymore? They used to be like three dollars a pound because they were just they were just everywhere. But I guess there was right. a flood or a drought. I'm not sure. Into the flood again. Which, but yeah, probably a flood. Now they're like thirteen, fourteen dollars a pound. Fuck, that's that's an exponential increase. Oh, big time! I mean, that's, don't they know that we're know. still not making any any money from the podcast and we can't afford that? <laughs> I know. No one. I guess. I guess no one told them. Drew would understand if we have to furlough him so you could have your crawfish baked, though. Yeah, I love furloughing Drew. That's like one of our Me favorite too. pastimes. It's it's like the nut button emoji instead of ours being a nut button. It's just the furlough button. <laughs> when yeah, in doubt, just, just scr- screw, Sorry, Drew, Drew. screw Drew, screw Drew, screw Drew, screw <laughs> Drew. Exactly. Um, Ethan, can I backtrack for a second to something that we discussed like a minute and a half ago? And you mentioned yep. sticking to the script. And this is just something that I always think about because if I remember right, like it was like three or four years ago that you and I began using that term sticking to the script in, in, in relation to getting your life in order and, you know, taking care of your body, being disciplined, training well, as it came to athletics. And if you notice in the time since that phrase has permeated our friend groups and there's a certain ripple effect going on and I'll see like friends of friends use that term. And that just makes me feel really good. And and it's, it's one of the greatest compliments you can receive, uh, when Mm -hmm. things in your vernacular, um, begin to permeate different groups and people begin to use it. And it's, it's one of those ripple effect things like the moon emoji way back in the day that we used to use all the time too. Uh, we got a few things out there know. in the world right yeah, now. Yeah, we do. It feels good to know that our body of work has uh, has gone out there. I, I agree. 
And that has a great backstory too. Pop Brothers at Law. Absolutely. You got to stick to the script. <laughs> Why'd you pull me over? I'm not discussing my day. Am I being detained or am I free to go? And if you're detained, I invoke the fifth. And what do you do? You shut the fuck up. Stick to the script, boys. That was the first ever Grunge Bible uh, script review. That's, that felt I know. good. I'm surprised I, it I took know. us 151 I episodes. I'm glad. I'm really glad that you said it. It's such a good script. I love the people that yeah. that send in their, them. You know, using the script and and it works. It works. You can throw <laughs> works. the case out. <laughs> Just throw it out. That's a I Sandy mean, Cohen all of us are suggests. blessed to have a Sandy Cohen in our corner, so we've got to take care of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what the script is for. Um, that's good. I'm glad you're doing well, and I'm glad that you're also on the script. It feels good to be on the script, and and you know, have your have your brothers in arms on the script with you. Yeah, not the band, the script. Although no, no, they no. Had we are, we are not falling to pieces. We're not breaking even. <laughs> um, but in this episode, we are going to talk about a band that, you know, is much better than the script. But you yeah. know, has a has a similar you know style in the early two thousands. They were really big. This band was around in ninety three when they 93. started. We're going to be talking about Counting Crows, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited to talk about. I am too. A lot, of, a lot so, of good stories go back with us and a little nostalgia and just um, a fun band that has been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. So earlier in the week, we put a call out on the Grunge Bible Instagram story asking for albums or bands to review. And there was a high number of submissions that were requesting that we either review Accounting Crow's album uh, or just the band in general. And uh, this is really an extension of the not grunge stuff that we do. So before you get you know, your pants in a twist over there that we're talking about counting crows on the grunge Bible podcast. All I'll say is that the people who understand this band, uh, there's no explanation needed. Um, the people that this band affects and and Adam Duritz's words affect, um, you know why we're talking about them today. And, uh, if you followed the page for a while, if you know us personally, you know, this band's really important to us. So that's what we do around here. We talk about the music that has helped us, uh, that has made things clearer, and uh, the music that we enjoy. So that's what we're going to do today. And this could not be done without the help of the people that listen and give us money each week. That's right. We're talking about the Patreon. The big we bucks. Have a, we have a $2, a $5, and a $10 level that you can choose to support at any level. Um, just think of it like a shitty cup of coffee. Call back to one of the earlier times that we were reading the script of uh patrons but yeah consider it a shitty cup of coffee you help us for a month and you just split four episodes even if you're the highest amount that's two dollars and fifty that's cheaper i bought coffee today iced coffee is like five bucks chris when i when go to buy out yeah when i go to duncan and i get a large coffee black uh no egg white uh, but just the large coffee black it's 312 after tax um so this is cheaper than a large cup of coffee so yeah uh, this is the best bang for your buck and uh, we're thankful to everybody that chooses to contribute at all levels. But in particular, we like to shout out every week uh, those who choose to contribute at the highest level, uh, you know, our, our, our achievers here and proud we are of all of them. Uh, and I would like to read the names of the top tier supporters over on Patreon. And their names at this time are Russell, What the Fuck is Up, Denny's, Sherry Matthews, Seattle 4 fanboy from New Jersey, Laura and Irene, Millie, Nikki Six, Pile of Punk, Chris LSMS. King Buzzo Stole My Hair, Keith White, Granny Grunge, Jade Mercado, Jamie Lynn, Carlene Salona, Gochu John, Fuck Soup, Faith Bittner, Eric R. Berry, Epona, D-Boat, Doug Endy, Down in a Hole, Flat Out Fucked, Eddie Vedder Got Me Through My Second Divorce, 
Corden Stewart, Kara Kay, The Blue Owl, and Black Hole Sean. Thank you. What a great, what a great list every time. What a great list. What a great list. Um, is this your homework, Larry? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever so, been to Vietnam? <laughs> You're entering a world of pain, son. Do you ever think your computer has a mind of its own? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the tallest man you've ever seen? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, so good. Um, so now we're going to do This Day in Music. So this is the part of the show where we talk about things that happened throughout history on this day in music. But sometimes we throw in things that aren't music related. Right. And our first, well, we start with birthdays. And this is important, Chris, because this is the oldest men that we, there's two men here coming up on in 1809, which is, that means they're turning 225, Chris. That's pretty old. That's old as shit. I mean, 225, that's special. You know, it's, I'm glad that it's not 221 or 226, right. 225. We chose the right time to do this. Two and a quarter. Um, so that's like two plates, you know, two plates. Exactly. That's pretty so, good. So happy birthday to Abraham Lincoln and Charles Darwin. This is awesome. This is huge. I yeah, didn't, I, I never would have thought that they were um, no same year, same, same day. Like what yeah. the hell? Um, I wasn't going to include any um, non musicians, but they they were just too good to leave off. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, anytime, anytime you get to shout out Honest Abe, uh, you know we'll take the opportunity. Um, additionally, on this day in 1934, uh, the late great Bill Russell was born, a uh, incredible basketball player, a coach, um, an agent of social change. And really one of the more influential men in sport, I would say, in the 20th and 21st centuries. Longtime Boston Celtic, uh, one of the greatest big men uh, in NBA history. So um, he was born on this day as well, worthy of a shout out. He is the champion's champion. Oh, yeah. yeah I think he won, un- he won nine or ten championships in a row or something. He's definitely undefeated in game sevens. I feel like he may be undefeated in the championship game or championship play uh, yeah. round as well. Here's a good stat line for you. Um, I don't yeah, know he what passed year. Away. He passed away last year or two years yes, ago now. Two years ago, I think. Um, I was on Instagram a couple days ago and it was on this day and one year in the 60s. Um, Bill Russell's stat line in an NBA game, he had 23 points and he grabbed 51 rebounds in one game. Oh my God. <laughs> That's incredible. He won 11 NBA championships during his 13 year career. Talk about making him count. That is, that is a very high percentage. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Not quite as high as the Grunge Bible podcasts, Weeks Alive versus Weeks uh, releasing an episode. Not alive. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a high bar to achieve. So, and yes, I did just say that we were better than Bill Russell. Um, Six feet, 10 inches, but only weighed 215. That's pretty surprising. A different time back then, man. That's no weight that's, training. That's crazy. Yeah. Moving on to 1950, Steve Hackett was born, Genesis guitarist. Now, I remember we brought up, uh, I think it was- Might have been their first show or something. It was another birthday. Maybe it was the first show, but you said you weren't weren't a big Genesis fan and and Steve Hackett was brought up, but- Nothing's um, changed since then. Anything changed. (laughs) It's all quiet on the Western front. (laughs) We got nothing doing. Same old story. Yep. The same old story here. Although something that I am quite familiar with uh, on this day in 1952, uh, we, for the first time, took it to the streets. And yes, Michael McDonald was born on this day in 1952. Uh, the Doobie Brothers stalwart and the uh, recording legend 
Michael McDonald. So that is a very important day for that reason as well. It is, dude. Santa Barbara, man. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget. I'll never forget that live show. Yeah, 1981. What? Uh, yeah, well, I can't wait for the... when If the podcast ever falls on that date, we're doing an episode on that. Concert. Oh, yeah, we're going to have to. I'll, I'll, pull, I'll pull the date and I'll, I'll make a calendar reminder. Absolute legendary performance. Those guys were electric. Yeah. Uh, moving so, on to some events that happened on uh, this day. 1981, Rush released Moving Pictures, which features Tom Sawyer, Limelight, and YYZ, three of the most popular songs. Chris, I know that you're not a huge Rush fan. Yes. Why is that? <laughs> Man, this is just interrogating Chris's musical shortcomings <laughs> yeah, so far. I'm on the Genesis hot seat right now. now. <laughs> this is like five good Jim minutes Rome on PTI. Burning. I'm taking some, <laughs> his final burn right here. Chris hates Rush. No, I, I don't hate Rush. The and final I, burn. I'll, I'll tell you, as I've gotten older... I've grown to appreciate them more. Um, and they were just unbelievable. Um, and if, if you liked their music, and even if you didn't like their music, you have to appreciate it. And uh, tell you, Getty Lee, Neil Peart, I mean, come on. Yeah, Some they were the special. Neil, yeah. Neil Peart was, is just the drummer that everyone looks up to and for mm -hmm. a reason. And uh, my coach Tom loved him. And he, and he like, I mean, he did this like incredible motorcycle trip across the country, if I'm not mistaken, where he like, he just went and did it and it was like on the road for over a year or something like that and it's crazy that's pretty so, sick but he's a virtuoso he's extremely talented and this and this is obviously an incredible album moving pictures is kind of what people think about um so yeah magnum happy, opus. An happy anniversary was that 43 years old 40 43 years old holy shit that's long old. time long that's time coming crazy moving up to 1989 on this day in 1989 Musician Tiny Tim declared his candidacy for mayor of New York City. And uh, for those keeping score at home, spoiler alert, uh, he came up just short. <laughs> he did not win. Um, but the, the, uh, the, the man behind Tiptoe Through the Tulips, uh, Living in the Sunlight, which I was first exposed to in a SpongeBob episode where I think SpongeBob cooked for all the nematodes and then they I think they ate the Krusty Krab. Um, now those, are things, those are risks that you take and it's a risk you know going in. Uh, but Tiny Tim, Tiny Tim was unbelievable. It's always a risk running for mayor. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you don't have to tell us that. It's like Michael Jordan said, you know, when two things happen when you take a shot, you either miss it or you make it. That's what he said when he went for mayor. He's like, <laughs> I'm either going to be mayor or I won't. <clears throat> 2009, fans of Paul Simon's concert at the, Bo the Beacon Theater <clears throat> sorry, in New York City are treated to a surprise appearance by Art Garfunkel, who sings three songs with Simon. Their final tour would be in 2010. Simon and Garfunkel, man. Tell you, after all those years, Paul Simon's back must be really, really hurt, and even still from <laughs> carrying Art Garfunkel for decades. And, but he uh, still let him come in for still, a show. It was, it was very, uh, there was a lot of acrimony in the air. Those two did not like one another, but I think the check was too big. Uh, for them yeah. to go without uh, without cashing it, um, I want to I want to jump back. You mentioned Michael Jordan. Uh, I have a fun little tidbit here. The oldest note on my iPhone is from August 9th, two thousand fourteen, and there's two quotes in this note. Um, the first one is, "I know I was born, and I know that I'll die. The in between is mine." Eddie mm -hmm. Vedder from "I Am Mine," uh, and then the second quote. This was right before I went to college, my freshman year. Um, the second quote. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 
26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. And that's a Michael Jordan quote, um, and mm-hmm. I've always loved that one. And I think it's fitting that those two are the oldest notes that I have on my phone. And I've, I've, I've never gotten rid of them. I've never edited that note since that day I put those in, and it just lives on. It's awesome. That is quite the one-two punch going together, too. I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's really pre-Grunge awesome. Bible, too. That, that predates Grunge Bible by about two years. So yeah, we knew then what we know now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Moving up to 2013, uh, pretty recently, I think we we profiled this album, but um, on this day in 2013, the second single from Soundgarden's King Animal album by Crooked Steps is released uh, with the fun tidbit that the music video for that song was directed by none other than Dave Grohl. 11 years. Dave Grohl, what a man. King Animal, what an album. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was not that. I feel like a lot of a lot of callbacks this uh, episode this is good. already. We're rolling. I feel pretty good. Oh, yeah. I'm locked in. And it looks like this is the last final um, significant musical uh, event. Yeah. In 2016, Ween, the brothers Ween, <laughs> played their first, <laughs> their first of three reunion shows in Broomfield, Colorado. Originally, only two shows were scheduled. February 12th and 13th, but the demand for tickets are so high in the pre-sale period that a third show is added on February 14th. This marks the official return of the Ween after breaking up nearly four years before. That's I love huge. It. I love that a lot. It is, dude. I mean, it, it is really important that uh, bands retire and then come back. How, how can we have the final shows if it's not followed up by another tour? Exactly. It's like uh, many men have said throughout the years, everything that dies someday comes back. Yep, exactly. It's like the dead, man. Yeah, exactly. I saw a comment, it was like, the dead's playing the sphere, and it's like... Um, the residency, yeah. It said their final show, their, their final tour was their final tour, because none of the dead Because this can, is a residency. <laughs> well, they can't, they can't pay for this one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, that was my last one, because I'm not going to be able to make that. Not going so. to the sphere. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's one other event uh, on this day in history that is kind of a good segue into the next thing that I think we should chat about. Um, but on this day, one year ago, the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 57. Uh, Ethan, as a, as a Chiefs fan, that was a big day for you. And we've got another big day coming up, uh, which will be in the books by the time this show pops off uh, on the 12th. And um, coming up this weekend, we've got Super Bowl 58. We've got a rematch of just a few years ago, the first Super Bowl the Chiefs won with Pat Mahomes and company. Um, we've got the Niners facing off against the Chiefs. What, what are your thoughts going into this thing? How about them Chiefs? I am feeling, I'm just happy. I say this all the time. I'm just happy that my team made it to the final game and I continue to watch. I get to watch them again. I get to have the excitement in a win or a loss. Um, I'm feeling good. You know, we're underdogs again. Um, I think that has really fueled this year's run because usually, you know, you're playing at home and you're the favorites and it's tough to be the favorite. So it's a different, and especially when you win, you have to find different motivation. So the fact that we've been the underdog, um, you know, for this playoff run, uh, I think it's been really uh, beneficial and crucial to how they've came out and played. So I'm feeling good. I mean, you got a really a lot of talent over there in San Francisco, but uh, we beat them before and they've shown some holes in their defense. So I just hope the offense keeps clicking and then our defense keeps playing well and make, you know, hopefully the best quarterback, pre- you know, prevails and then we can hold off the purdy, the purdy man. 
Oh yeah. The purdy, Hurt, man. the hurdy, the hurdy, purdy, man. <laughs> <laughs> a call back to Donovan. We are going back and we've made, we've made at least like seven or eight references to, to lore. Uh, that, and we're, that only we're, we will, that only we yeah, we're, we're 20 minutes in here so far and I'm sure we're, we're going to. The hurdy, gurdy, um, man. That could be a whole episode. <laughs> yeah. We, we might have to. Oh if yeah. If the show goes on for a number of years. Is that the Zodiac? Um, is it, is that it was, the Zodiac? Yeah, it was the song in the, the movie, The Zodiac. Yeah, Donovan. <laughs> 1968 hit the hurdy-gurdy man uh very wow. very notable i might have to yes. post that one later fuck oh amazing. me and elijah have been talking about jake gyllenhaal movies yes i was and, uh, i was invited to a watch party <laughs> yes you were. Uh, yeah i was yeah i, I well, just we got were, the call <laughs> we were t- <laughs> we, we were we were talking about it and i'm just like i was looking through the movies it's like wow he's got a lot of really good he's got a real like his his definitely his style which is like kind of creepy oh, yeah. and thrilling yeah it's like what i like to watch and it's like, like chris yes prisoners brothers enemy and yeah. elijah was like this this chris like you know jake gyllenhaal and i was like well i know the zodiac is one of his favorite movies and, and he, i even he read watched the books it. that's how much yeah, of a nerd like he's, I am. He's, he watched there was a while where yeah you were like looked up the real story and you're sending <laughs> like there's a lot of recon done for yeah. that one yeah there was a lot of uh, a lot of research and effort i put into uh, fully understanding the story and, and gyllenhaal does a fantastic job uh, uh opposite robert downey jr and mark ruffalo so oh yeah you know just pristine men of their day and kings of their time i'd love uh, to watch one of those tonight oh yeah but we're busy but that's with like the a, OC, so that's like <laughs> everything a, else is on. Everything else is furloughed. Well, that's like a two and a half hour movie, I think, too. It's yeah. a long boy. Yeah, I, don't, I can't. I can't bite into that tonight. I gotta. I gotta go to sleep. I've been sleeping. Even though watching longer. three episodes of the OC is probably <laughs> it's different. gonna happen. <laughs> Everybody it's knows different. it's different. <laughs> Absolutely. You know um, what I'm so, talking about. Yeah. One more housekeeping thing. Uh, we're recording this earlier in the week because you're going uh, to do some coaching and some teaching and some molding of young minds, and and I think a lot of a. Uh, you know, what you do at these Javelin clinics, which you're heading to one at, at LSU this weekend is, is really the manifestation of the, uh, you know, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, but teach a man to fish and he'll never go hungry. Uh, and I think that's what you're going to be I up to. It. it is. It's something that, um, I accredit my Javelin career to when I was a, a junior in high school, I went to my first clinic and my senior year, I went to a few more and then I went to a few when I was in college all by all put on by this kind of the same group of people they've been doing it i mean tom pucks is, is my coach and he's been doing them for over 28 years and uh and so that relationship landed me where i am basically so mm-hmm. yeah every year um it's so much fun to do and it's you know we're working on that body of work you know we're, exactly we're filling up the cups of Another other people. callback oh yeah and uh yeah we mentioned in here so i did a clinic in fort lauderdale and i just had to bring this up I met somebody there that uh, was just probably the most interesting man in the world that I've ever met, you know? His name was Petros, and he was from Sweden, and we were talking, he had thrown javelin when he was younger, and I've told this story like four or five times, I had to, I had to tell people, you know? And he's, yeah. so I'm talking to him, and he's 49, he looks like Tarzan, and he said he's from Sweden, and I was like, oh, nice, I was like, when did you, you know, he's born there, so I said, when did you come to the U.S., and he said, oh, when I was like 20, 23 to 25 or something. And I was like, um, you know, how was it? And he's like, it's good. I, he's like, I sailed here. I was like, wow, you sailed like across the Atlantic. I was like, wow, that's really, that's awesome. I was like, how long did it take you? He said, oh, five years. <laughs> I was like, five years. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, why did it take you so long? And he just responded simply, that's just the way the wind was blowing. 
He's like, I was sailing. And I was like, blown away. And then we started talking more. And he told me that he built his boat. Naturally, he built his boat. And he like went down to South Africa and Brazil. And you know, it was a long trip to get to the US. But it was just so cool. And I just, I think I texted Chris. And you just responded like, they don't make those type of men anymore. And I was like, you are damn right. I was like, this is not something you encounter. Like, no. Someone that goes and does. And it was a... It was awesome because he last year he competed in the Masters World Championship in Helsinki, Finland, and um, you know he's still competing. He like buys and sells yachts. He works, you know, in the some crazy industry. You know, where somebody wants a a boat dock somewhere, you know, he he takes it, like he drives it. You know what I mean? Crazy that there's a job out there, but you know, if you want your boat from Rhode Island in Florida, like somebody will do it for you. <laughs> it's Petros. Yeah. So pretty sweet. I'm glad I could, I, lo- I love telling stories about people. Like I love meeting people. I've, I've had this, I've been you know, interacting with a lot of people in my, in my sport and, and we do a lot in this page all the time. And um, I just love that both music, javelin, and I'm really into coffee, coffees. They're all very international. So you have these experiences that go beyond the U.S. and you meet people that are from total different, you know, different countries and different, totally different lifestyles and cultures. And um, yeah, you get to see like, and usually different times of life too. I mean, they're, they're all ages. So, and that's what we do on this page. We get to contrast, compare and contrast, you know, musical tastes from 30 years, 40, spanning 40 years. And um, it's always so interesting to me and it's so valuable. and. If you're out there, like talk to somebody that you wouldn't usually t- and be intentful about it because you never know where that conversation is going to go. And then you're going to have a friend that you can stop and visit that lives in France, you know? Exactly. And, and that's the thing, those three things that you mentioned. And I think we all have those things in our lives where, uh, you know, there's a passion that you have that other people have. And when you share that same passion, it doesn't matter where they came from, who they are, where they've been, their temperament, the way that they live their lives, because you have that common that common passion and and it's the great equalizer and it's the great unifier, I think. Um, and and yeah. that's, you know, I think life is a pursuit of those passions and it's a pursuit to make connections with people that share that same passion. So, I mean, you mm-hmm. do it every single day through so many different avenues as, as I try to do as well. And I think that's really what this show is about and what the page is about for sure. Yeah. And with that, you know, we're going to talk about somebody that was able to, interact with the crowd i think you know there's tons of ways tons tons of different ways you could talk about the counting crows and adam duritz but i think we're going to spend a lot of time on his crowd interaction and the way that he approached live concerts and his storytelling and his scene and the intention behind all of it because that seems to be what every time i watch them i kind of get stuck on yeah that's that's what i'm captivated by and i think for the people on the grunge Bible page, when we post our hashtag not grunge stuff, and sometimes it's more out there than other times. And, you know, we post counting crows a lot and you always have the naysayers that, that don't get it or they can't relate to it. Or they say that Adam is, you know, just like way too out there. He's making it about himself. But like I said, at the top of the episode for the people who get it, there's, there's no explanation needed. It's just like that, you know, you just give the head nod to somebody else and you know exactly what they're thinking and, and you're thinking the same things. And, um, you know, I think the way that a lot of the music that we traditionally discuss on the show affects me is the same way that Adam Duritz's music and Counting Crows, uh, have affected me, uh, over the course of my life. And, and like you said, um, 
he really flourishes live. And I think the reason he flourishes live is um, that thing within him that I think is within all, within all great performers at the, at the crux of it all, no matter how they, they transmit it to you, no matter how they approach it, uh, no matter what it sounds like, they're all great storytellers, right? And Adam, I think, is right up there. I think he's right in that lineage that I think comes from folk, I would say. A lot of the Guthries of the world, Bob Dylan for sure, Springsteen I think of as well, and Adam Duritz in the sense that through their words and experiences and their imaginations, they're able to weave these big, big stories um, that can be cathartic for them uh, and that they can use themselves to explain their own lives more. But through doing that, they're able to make clear a lot of the things that we struggle with and the things that we have questions about. Um, and that's why I love this band. Uh, and that's why time and time again throughout my life, I've gone to them almost as often as I've gone to some of these bands that we talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the, a lot of the individuals who lead the bands that we talk about a lot. I mean, he's right up there in the respect that I have for him and what he's been able to do and how vulnerable he has been able to be through his music. Yeah, I know this song was as one of the later ones in our notes, um, but under colorblind, I think we should start at colorblind because you put a really nice quote there that I want you to read that I felt, uh, you know, it just kind of touched me, and it was it was kind of it was the perfect, you know, perfect set of words to um, describe what we're talking about here and how he makes connections and kind of the way that it seems that when he talks, he leaves this impression. Absolutely. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into the colorblind part of it now. So this was from an interview that he did with Men's Health Magazine in 2008. And I think we can bear in mind, you know, the, the social landscape in 2008 was quite a bit different than what it is here today in 2024. And, you know, being a uh, front person of a rock and roll band talking about mental illness is, is not quite as common in 2008 as maybe it is today. Um, and he was giving an interview talking about his own mental health journey um, and talking about the song Colorblind, which was really a narrative of things that he had struggled with throughout his life. Um, and in that interview in 08, he said, quote, I have a form of dissociative disorder that makes the world seem like it's not real, as if things aren't taking place. It's hard to explain, but you feel untethered. And because nothing seems real, it's hard to connect with the world or the people in it because they're not there. You're not there. That's why I rarely saw my family back then. It's hard to care when everything feels as if it's taking place in your imagination. And if you're distant with people, especially women you're romantically involved with, they eventually leave. What makes my case even worse is that every night I go out on stage and have this incredible emotional connection between me, the band, and the audience. Then, just like that, it's over. I go backstage, back to the bus, back to my hotel room, and sit there all by myself. That deep connection is yanked away in an instant. It's like breaking up with your girlfriend over and over again every night. It's crazy. Oh, it's, it is such a, like, you know, and so he has a, a disorder that makes him feel this way. But, you know, I, I, in my life, I definitely have times where you, you kind of go through and you know that every, a lot of people are, are in your life and are involved in your life, but all of a sudden it just doesn't feel real. And you almost feel like if, if you lose people, like you're not, you'd be numb to it. Like it just doesn't, doesn't seem like it would have an effect on you because you're just all of a sudden you're kind of you know you got your blinders on it you're it's the world is is six feet long you know what i mean and mm -hmm. and the way that he says that he goes out and has this amazing experience the connection and i think we talk about this like uh, late in some other songs where 
you know, as good as something can be, and just how we say as bad as something can be, it's going to end. All mm-hmm. things end. And like, that's like the extreme version he talks about where it's like the extreme side of it where, you know, it's hard to put a lot of faith and meaning to stuff because it doesn't feel real, um, which is scary. That's a scary way to uh, have to go through life. It really is. And I think those feelings are always there and it just kind of depends on your mindset at the time, whether you're feeling pessimistic or nihilistic in that sense, because I think it's so easy to fall into that hole where you just fixate on that fact. It's like, okay, well, why does this matter? Because it's going to end. Um, and I think that's why I love the the music that he's written and the lyrics that he's made and the stories that he tells, because at the end of the day, whether you're a listener or you're a songwriter or you're a performer, we're all there, I think, for the same reasons. We're all trying to repair or to understand uh, the conditions of our life. Oftentimes they're cards that we didn't choose. They were dealt to us. Um, and, and we're using art and we're using expression and we're using that community to try to try to improve those elements of our lives. And something with Counting Crows too, sitting here in 2024, especially being younger, like not being alive for the drop of August and everything after recovering the satellites, like Counting Crows were huge. Adam Duritz was everywhere in the 90s i mean they were oh yeah they were one of the more sought after bands there was a pretty big bidding war for for their record contract back in the early 90s um they were from the from the get-go they were labeled as the next big thing and in a lot of ways they were and they lived up to that but you think of the toll that that plays on somebody similarly to i think how a lot of the front men of the grunge bands that we talk about a lot you know they're thrust into the spotlight um you know, the eyes on them are incessant. They're all over the place and there's always eyes on you and you're expected to do these great things and you're able to do these great things in front of tons of people. But at the end of the day, you know, you go home and it's like that lane quote, you're stuck with yourself at the end of the day. Um, And I think when you have so much of that amazing connection and you're really weaving magic on stage, right? Night after night after night, because that's the gift that you have. But that the absence of that or when that's taken away and you go home, that's gotta be a tough thing to live with. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think everybody, as they get older, they struggle with kind of that solitary state. You know, it's like, you know, if there's a slow weekend for us, we talk about this all the time. It's like, hey, we're like, I got to keep moving because sometimes it's hard to kind of sit there in the absence of those things. Um, and I just thought it was really powerful. That was a song that I've always loved and, and my appreciation and, and admiration for it has grown more and more, um, as I've, as I've dug into the, the genesis of it and the inspiration behind it. And I think that's a commonality with a lot of the music that they wrote. And uh, I've been able to ascribe a lot of my personal situations in life to the songs that they wrote. And it, it's it's made mm-hmm. sense because of things that I've endured. And, and I think that's at the crux of why uh, this is a band for me that you know I'll, I'll carry with me as long as I'm able to listen to music. Yeah, I read a quote from Adam that basically said, my life isn't necessarily more important than anyone else's. I'm just better at talking about it. And I I believe that to be really true. When he talks about that, like he doesn't think he's better than anybody else. He just right. has a knack for singing and the ability to write these lyrics. And mm-hmm. um, you know, we compared him to Isaac Brock and you know a few of the other guys that kind of write these like po- poems and and the way that you know all of a sudden you hit these with some bangers of lyrics like um where where is it the uh, yeah, oh, is the beginning, um, beginning to Mr. No, Long December, right? Step out the front door. It's Long December. 
Oh, he says, step out, the, step out the front door like a ghost. Oh, around here. Yeah, around here, where no one else notices the contrast of white on white. And in between the moon and you, the angels get a better view of the crumbling difference between wrong and right. So like that's the opening uh, set a, of lines. That's a big setting right there. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's literally like a poem. It's a story. Yeah. And, and I think furthermore, you know, he said he's better at talking about them. I think the gift that he has naturally leans him towards having to sort through and being able to talk about his things in a massive public setting, right? I mean, we all have to talk about our problems and go through the, you know, go through them and, and gain a greater understanding about them. But oftentimes it's with a friend or your, your partner or, or therapist or something, not in front of 15,000 people or not on the record that, you know, millions of people are going to buy within the first year that it's out. Uh, and, and I think that adds to the pressure, but it seems like with, with Adam and, and a lot of the, the musicians and songwriters that we admire, that vulnerability and that kind of awareness that, Hey, a lot of people are going to, a lot of people are going to look to this. Um, mm -hmm. I think in a way it's kind of, it's encouraged him and I think it's pushed him more towards being expressive about that and even more expressive about those issues than I think a lot of other people would be. And I mean, I wouldn't be comfortable talking about my problems or, or my struggles uh, to that many people, um, but it's something yeah. that he's able to do and it's a gift that he has. And I'm grateful that, for the fact that he's chosen to, you know, take up that fight and, and, and take up that space and that gift that he has and use it in the way that he has. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say before we get into the brighter side of the crows, because I don't want to be too dark or too down, but like, you know, the when, when you listen to, so Colorblind's a great one. I mean, that one will still get to you when you listen to the uh, studio recording, and you right. can listen to all the albums, but as soon as you put on a live performance, and, and honestly, it's every one of their songs, they, it gets very intimate very fast. Sure. The way that he sings, the way the band is playing, like I watched some live stuff of, it was on Howard Stern or anything. And like the band, like it's like, you know, half the band's eyes are closed. They're all very, it's very intentional. And mm -hmm. like, I mean, it is, it is a concert for one, like almost every time. Yeah. And they take these songs that, you know, you said you listen on the album and you're like, okay, this is a good song. But then all of a sudden it, it really goes up a level because, um, yeah, the musicianship and the instruments kind of break through in a different way. And, and you feel very connected to these performances and then he sings and, and you know, and he has a voice that can also do that. So, um, it's very intimate. That's like the best word, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's the gift that all artists have, you know, they're able to present something and, and it feels like it's just for you. And it feels yeah. like you're the only one that they're playing to. Um, and I think something with counting crows, like, I don't know if it's just the, the sphere uh, in the corner of the music community that we're a part of, but it seems like it, in recent years, it's kind of become the in vogue thing to kind of shit on this band and kind of, you know, like, oh, the Counting Crows, you know, whatever, whatever. But um, once again, like you forget how big of a band this was and how cool this band was. I mean, all you got to do, you look at the first three records they put out um, in 1993, August and everything after it went seven times platinum. And then in 1996, recovering the, satellites that goes platinum twice and then in 1999 this desert life we always talk about opening songs on records and we always talk about the first records and the first you know two or three records i mean to get off to you know, get your band off the ground with those three i mean that is a hell of a run mm -hmm. um and it just goes to show you how diverse i think the musical landscape was in the 1990s i mean 1993, for example, I mean, uh, August and everything after that came out before Vitalogy by Pearl Jam, right? Like Foo Fighters weren't a thing yet. Um, 
Alice in Chains hadn't played Unplugged. Yeah. Um, you know, Super <laughs> Unknown wasn't out yet. And, and this was out. So it's like, there's really, there's really something for everybody. Yeah. And it just shows you how long this band's been around. I bet, long I bet time. You a, lot of, a lot of people didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. But you know why that, you know why that they were so successful, Chris? Why is that? And they got so much notice. Because of that? it's because of Duritz's hair, the dreads, <laughs> the dreads, dude. Talk about way to add a uh, an exclamation point to everything you do. Grow some dreads. I know there's a little bit, maybe a little bit of hair extensions in there. You know, there was a time I really wanted dreads. I'm not surprised to hear you say this. Yeah, I, I, there's been, I mean, there's been a few times where I really wanted dreads, but I got really scared because um, when you want to get rid of them, you have to cut them off. You can't right. really, you can't save them once mm-hmm. they're dreaded. And uh, yeah, not surprising that I wanted to. I thought uh, Red Dreads, like Lane, was, uh, you know, because, you know, I get, people think I look like Lane, Chris. <laughs> people, people have said that many times before. And whenever, whenever, whenever we post, they're like, oh, it's Eddie and Lane. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and you look, like, you look a lot more like Lane than I look like Eddie. <laughs> I look, well, that one picture that may not be Lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you. I look it's, like that guy. <laughs> my phone background, or my, my contact photo for you. I'm like, you cannot There's... tell me. You cannot tell me. <laughs> There it is, right there. There it is. If you're watching on the YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, yeah. I mean, but there's times where like I I could have swore that you were Eddie Vedder, so it makes sense that. <laughs> I mean, it just it just fits it just fits the whole idea of grunge Bible that we look like we could be mistaken for two of these guys. <laughs> yeah, it's, but we're the not fact being that mistaken. The possibility exists. Yeah, but we're not mistaken for Duritz because yeah, that's very um, unique, and I love it. I'm I'm sad that he cut his hair yeah yeah me too yeah but i mean like we said all all things all things must pass and you know yeah. i don't I he knew I, it was coming to an end yeah exactly and, and and to have the grace to put those chapters behind you um ethan something you mentioned uh when we started introing the crows and, and adam duritz is the fact that i think really similarly to a lot of the bands that we love um you know you're not really getting the full experience until you watch them live um, and just the moments that they're able to weave up on stage because of their synergy as a band. And, and I think a lot of it is just comes from Adam and his ability to uh, set the stage either with a spoken intro before a song or the way that he extends songs or changes lyrics or tags other songs within those songs in, in these long drawn out jams. Um, he's got a gift. And like he said himself, you know, he's just better at talking about it. Um, if we go back to the beginning from August and everything after, which in my opinion is a perfect, perfect album. Um, and you mentioned the opening lyrics to this song round here. Um, but there's a performance uh, that they did at Woodstock 1999 and, and they're getting ready to play round here. Um, and that really, really simple guitar intro starts playing and he's sitting on the stage and he's mm-hmm. like, you know, me and Dave, we used to live in this warehouse, you know, on the outskirts of San Francisco. And we used to sit there and talk to one another and think about what it would like be like to be in a band and to be in a good band or whether we should quit and do something else. And he goes on to say, he's like, because you wonder in your mid twenties, if you're going anywhere. Um, and you know, the fact that they use that story to lead into this song, which, um, I couldn't, you know, verbatim or explicitly interpret what he's talking about in round here, but it's that feeling that he evokes with a story like that, that was so unbelievably relatable to me for so many years as I got into my twenties and into my mid twenties. Um, and every year for the past four or five years in, in the late summertime, I post that clip. Uh, and, and then I, and I mentioned, I'm like, you know, I'm in my mid twenties and I'm getting to be in my late twenties now, but 
I was like, you, you definitely do wonder. And, and I put a call out to everybody. I'm like, for, for those of you who are older than me, um, you know, what do you think about this? And like, did you feel this way? And, and where did you go? Um, and it was some of the most insightful responses right. and some of the, the most in-depth and wholesome and supportive comment sections we've ever had on grunge Bible. And it's facilitated, you know, through a band like counting crows and the work that they were able to do and that feeling that they evoke. Um, and that's just why, you know, with this band, like you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta listen to one of their live albums or you gotta see them live. Um, and you have to take in the spectacle and that show for one, like you were talking about. Yeah, I, I, I love that quote. And I was reading through some of the comments because you had sent that back, one that you posted three years ago or in 21. And um, in the mid, in the 20s are, is, is a really interesting time. A lot of growth. You're 21 to compared to 29. You know, I can honestly say there's a huge difference. Just the way your outlook on life and all this stuff. And I remember having this conversation and you have so much, you know, you try so many things out and you see what can stick. And you, your life can be in seven different places through that 10 years mm -hmm. um, where you're going to be a little bit more stable before and after that. I mean, there's just so much change. Yeah. And um, I remember having a ton of conversations with you. I remember, you know, one time like, you know, sitting with Andrew in a, uh, I think it was the regional meet. I think it was the year before I transferred and we knew that I was transferring. He was like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to make the Olympics. It's like, well, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? And we talked about it. You know, he's like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And this was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like this, this was like literally 2024 and, um, you know, two Olympics had passed, but here I am potentially mm -hmm. working towards something that I we talked about. And I remember, and we've had, we've had conversations about grunge Bible a ton, like where do we see it? And you had those conversations and, um, a lot of people have those conversations and, and it's no surprise that Duritz brought it, you know, to a head at the concert and I love 99. 99. I love like, that you right? said that because the tail end of that quote that I just, I didn't mention yet, he goes on to say, you wonder in your mid twenties, if you're going anywhere and he's like, and it leads you right here. And he's playing yeah. in front of a hundred thousand people. Um, yeah. And similarly to your journey, you had that conversation. What do you want to do in 10 years? And, and it's led you right here. I mean, it's right. an Olympic qualifying year um, and you're well positioned. Uh, the best you've ever been positioned. And it just goes to show you, you know, if you can focus on, you know, if you can put out of your mind for a second, the all things must pass, you know, what's the point thing? If you can kind of grab onto that feeling of, you know, it's exciting to at times to not know, you know, whether you're going anywhere, or where you're going. Um, and there's mm -hmm. that weird dichotomy of being in your twenties that his music has illuminated for me and continues to do that. It's like, you have so much time but you don't feel like it at all. And we just had that conversation yeah. a couple of days ago about how so many of our favorite artists, they didn't put out their first record till they were 32. Um, you know, they didn't do this until they were 38. Um, and, you know, to some people it's like, wow, you're so young and you achieved all that. But when you're 25, 26, trying to get to where you want to get, where your dreams have, 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 have pushed you to, it feels like you don't have time. And it's encouraging uh, to hear people talk about that and to hear, to see people make it. Yeah, man, get chills talking about it, you know, thinking about yeah. all that stuff. And, and it is wild, you know, there, there are music careers that end at age 30, you know, people are done and then right. people don't start until 30. Like it mm -hmm. is very different and, and, and all these different roads are possible. So yeah, um, keep that in mind when you're trying to decide to do yeah. something or not. 
Mm-hmm. And, and for anybody listening that's still wondering why we're choosing to talk about Counting Crows, this is the reason because the music is a springboard for these conversations um, and, 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 and they're, they're secret weapons that you have to decipher and to encourage yourself uh, to make that step forward. And, and at the end of the day, all music does that. All good music that you connect to does that. And I don't know how many conversations we've had that started uh, you know, with us sharing a Counting Crows song. You, you text the, the YouTube link over to me or I do over to you. And then 20 minutes later, we're having a conversation just like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are, uh, they are, uh, but like, okay, so like I said, we want to bring something uplifting, like when they're jamming, like mm-hmm. they're one of the best summer bands to listen to. Oh yeah. Right? And the way that they play and the upbeat guitar and the piano and like obviously his voice and, and uh, he has a great voice for the choruses and you know, it's just so fun. It, it is so uplifting it's, when it, it's when it's so uplifting. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah it's so fun they've got a song um from their album hard candy and it's a little bit of a deep cut but it's one that i it's on every single summer playlist i'll ever make it's called up all night parentheses frankie miller goes to hollywood um and the the opening lyrics are is everybody happy now is everybody clear we could drive out to the dunes tonight because summer's almost here um and he introed it once at a show that he did in 2012 he's like hard candy was a late night album he's like we're gonna get into it a little bit and they go into this song and it's just such a good jam they've got you know a big big chorus so many people providing backing vocals you know the 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 licks and the solos that are included are just perfect and it gets you moving and it gets you feeling um i mean talk about i mean these guys these guys can do can do both you know they can do it all um they can create the party or they can get you you know deep inside your mind um and like we said you know that's a full day if you can do that in in a a two-hour set right if you can bring people to both of those places within a set amount of time i mean that is a gift that's right. They play the show and they play the after party, you know? Yeah, exactly. And they say, oh, well, you know, our, our stage time ends now, but fuck it. We're going to keep on going. You know, sometimes oh, yeah. you got to do that. And, and this band is certainly capable of doing that. And it's just kind of like that full experience that you can get through their music. Yeah. I mean, they, and they just have hits, you know, like they have hits. I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get into a long December because that's a whole conversation right there. <laughs> we have to do an episode on that <laughs> yeah. one. We're a couple of months late. <laughs> I mean, a long December and colorblind were definitely two that we, because th- just December is a month, you know, you can talk about. And colorblind had a very specific like feeling to it. Um, obviously, the Mr. Jones round here, Sullivan Street. I know that's that's one of your favorite favorites, right, Chris? Love Sullivan Street. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good one, which is a direct example of that, you know, it's just going to be over soon. And it was written about yeah. a relationship that he had where he just couldn't commit to it because he just knew it was going to be over soon. Uh, but it's, you know, it's on, it's on the same record as, as, as like essentially a party song, like Mr. Jones, you know, where it's like, we're going to make this, we're going to be in this big band. Um, and it's just Marty the fact Jones. that both of those things can exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. He, uh, and so, yeah, speaking of um, you know his dating history, this man was this man was uh, a legend when it he comes. Was, people to, forget he was a heartthrob. He was a heartthrob. People loved him because he could sing, he could talk, and uh, he dated some some a listers, a listers. You know, uh, most in, most noticeably two women actresses from Friends before Friends. And Jennifer Aniston was before Friends. I'm not sure about Courtney Cox, but. Yeah, I don't know uh, the timeline. That might have been maybe Durrett's that was maybe dating. that was during, but it was. <laughs> but he dated Jennifer Aniston before uh, Friends, and 
um you know he had a few other christina applegate and a few others and uh you know he he yeah he kind of dated around but he couldn't keep anything for so long but girls loved him and and i love mrs potter's lullaby i wrote down i don't know if you've uh that's one of your favorites but that song it's like seven and a half minutes and and he wrote it when he was um dating was it monica potter and so the legend goes like you know they were going out and and he invited her to one of the recordings and like he wrote this song and they basically played it all in one day mm-hmm. and he was like god ah, he's like he didn't want it he didn't want it. he's like this is, this is not going on the record and he's like but here monica here's like you take one of the recordings they did like eight recordings he's like you take one of these take the fourth one and she like obviously loved it and thought it was good and, and like gave it to the producer and, and like they put it back on the record, but it wasn't going to be on the record, but you can, they gave it to her and you know, he wrote it for her. And it was just a crazy story. Cause it was like within the first week or something that they were dating. And he like wrote this song that's like really fun and upbeat and, and, and it's like awesome. It's a great song. And they almost cut it, but he kept it. And I'm glad um, they did. Yeah. That one's tells, really fun. Tells a story. It's, it's so hard to have this conversation without just diving headlong into their discography. I mean, even off of, you know, some of these records that we've spoken about, you know, the first couple, we've got the Sullivan Streets of the World, The Murder of One, which kind of turns into that really, really big expansive song. And they'll tag like a U2 song in there. Um, he's been known to put Thunder Road into different songs. Um, Recovering the Satellites. I mean, some of these songs, Catapult, Goodnight Elizabeth, which uh, uh, almost single-handedly, uh, took me through um, one of the worst breakups that I've had in my life. Um, So thank you for that one. You've got songs like walkaways hanging around another classic right there. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, their, their, their history is just full of these songs that define points in time. I think accidentally in love, accidentally in love. Exactly. (laughs) The big yellow taxi cover that everybody hates. And I absolutely love, like I have so many memories of Omaha. Yeah, man. Omaha. You know, there's just, it's so funny. Like I have some memories of Counting Crows songs, you know, listening in the car when I was a kid in the back of my mom's Ford Windstar and I'll post, I forget which song I posted by the Counting Crows recently, but, um, somebody was like, yeah, like this was the, this was the one that we had in our car in high school. Like we put the tape in and it was just like me and four of my other friends just driving around. Like this was the soundtrack of that time. And any band that is able to cut into that space and occupy that space for people um, is worth listening to. And it's worth talking about because not everybody is able to do that where it's like, there's a large subset of a generation. that's like, this is this, this is the record that I had that summer, you know, and I think yeah. of all of those fun things that I did with people that I, you know, I don't talk to as much anymore, but it's, it's good to look back. And, you know, the fact they're still out there, they're still touring, they're still playing music, uh, making music. Um, you know, you forget, you I know, think, 1993 is 31 years ago. Yeah. Chris, I think this is like very clear that we need to go see them. Yeah. So I've had, <laughs> like, I mean, I think it is like mega clear right now. I'm like, like we Santiago with the Marlin them. with Counting Crows. So I had, um, I had a ticket to see them, um, yep. in 2021. I think if I remember right, it was, I had a weird weekend where I think like I was in Philly one week and then I came home, went to New York city in the middle of the week, came back home, went down to Philly to see you for the weekend, came yeah. back home. And I was supposed to like the day that I got back, I was supposed to go up to Boston for a Sunday night show, um, of counting crows. But, uh, I think like half of their travel party ended up getting COVID at the time in, in like oh. late summer, 2021. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't able to see them. I think 
I think they canceled the show. I don't think they postponed it. Um, and then I had just recently, actually this past summer, they were playing in Providence in my hometown. And, um, I couldn't go because that was the evening that we were interviewing Petey for the show. <laughs> wow. So I had, I had to pick my battles there. And, I and thought you, maybe that was one of those ones where you like overbooked concerts in a weekend no, and, had, no, had, had, was, and like had for some fatigue. Yeah. Well, the, I think I was on the there fence of fatigue, going to the first one. I was fatigued. Um, and then the second Luckily, one. Luckily they were. As well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, this, this is one that, you know, I think this is a band that, you know, when, when they come off the road finally, or when they decide to do something else, uh, I think there's a lot of people that, that are going to miss them. Um, regardless of, of what their opinions are. And, and I think the musical space and the thing that was so enchanting about the 90s, you know, when a band like this goes away, y you lose a little bit of that. And that's why it's so yeah, important to get out and really see these acts. This would be a sad one to lose abruptly yeah. if something happened. Yeah. And it would be, it would be like, a, wow, how did I not go mm -hmm. see them? Yeah. Well, in the same way, like we weren't even alive and it feels weird to think that August and everything after is 31 years old. And there's people that it's, saw them in the nineties that it probably feels really weird for them to think like they've been a band for over 30 years now. I mean, they're not, you know, I mean, hell you're not as young as you, as you used to be. And, and, and they're not either, you know, we're all getting older and the time's passing. We just had the uh, grunge Bible's eighth birthday and somebody commented like, I started following when I was 12 and I, I you know, I just, I I'm, I'm in college now or something. Um, and you know, it's time, it's, time goes, man. It does. Time. And that's why it's important no to market with music that matters and, and words from people that matter. Yeah. When you were talking about, you know, concerts you missed, it made me think of one that you missed that I was upset that you missed. And I just remembered that I have tickets for this man, Kurt Vile. Kurt Vile. I did. And I just thought, I thought about this, Chris, I have a, I have quite the lineup for the next three months. I'm Do seeing Let's hear three, it. three of my favorite uh you know singers and producers ever you got kurt vile brian sell a solo show and Petey in nashville those are the three tickets i have on I'm deck jealous. right now those are like uh, the, i mean that's like if you could pick three out of anybody there's a good I mean, yeah, chance those, you pick those, those three 100 100 yeah. those are the three like especially like i mean kurt's probably i don't know i feel like you know, PD is going to be playing for a while because he's just starting his career. Hopefully, yeah. Kurt Vile, he's kind of had like, he's like an older career. So I think he's going to be playing music for a long time. Mm -hmm. For some reason, Brian and the Front Pimes, it feels different. I, I feel like I, I need to keep seeing him because I really, I don't know what the, the future looks for that type of music in general. And I just, I need to go see them when I can. And I told you that I was like, if there's any like solo shows, like that's a non-negotiable for me. I've seen yeah. the live band is one thing, but um those solo shows are still very intimate and touch like kind of the old fans i guess yeah so i'm like you know it's not negotiable but mm -hmm. the other two i feel a little safer about yeah absolutely so you've got you've got three on the books so far i also have three on the books at this point um my my concert season doesn't kick off until april um i've got a double <laughs> shot in april I, i'm seeing on april 1st olivia rodrigo in boston i'm, I'm pretty fired up about that oh yeah i didn't know i did not know about yeah, that. yeah man i'm pumped who you seen that? And what what? <laughs> Rachel Corning. We we scoop tickets. Seriously? Yeah, Holy man. Shit. This was like um, this was like last year. We we bought tickets at face value, so I could sell it for like three times as much. Well, I was just say if you don't mind me asking, like, what, what kind of bill are we talking? <laughs> I paid I paid sixty dollars for my ticket. Sixty bucks. Sixty okay, bucks. That's awesome. For yeah. is it a? Was it at the stadium? Yeah, no, it's at the uh, the TD Garden where the Bruins and yeah. the Celtics play. So it's basketball. Sixty bucks is. Oh great. yeah, it's a steal. I mean, the, the resale, the resale deal. market. That's it, probably it. Start. It's like 
300, 200 or something. So yeah. um, I'm excited to see that. Um, and then I've got, I scooped tickets to uh, Spanish love songs and Oso Oso are, are, are doing yeah. a, a, a dual headlining uh, tour in April. I'm seeing them. I'm also awesome. representing Spanish love songs on my shirt is anybody, right now. Is somebody else playing in that? Sydney Sprague is opening. Oh yeah, Sydney. I was saying, I yeah, know we Sid talked about something. That'll be great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, in June, uh, I am seeing Aaron West in the Roaring Twenties for the first time. That's uh, Dan Campbell of the Wonder Years' is, uh, oh. uh, side project. They're releasing an album be uh, this spring. I'm super, super pumped about it. It's yeah, a smaller that's... venue than I would ever see the Wonder Years play in. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm really excited for that one. That's just one of those like you gotta. You know, I bought two tickets to each of them. You, you, you know, you gotta buy two. You invite somebody, uh, then you just go and have a good time. Yeah, and that's one of those things. That's like if you go and want you know want to see Death Cab, but yeah. You know, death cab you can't get tickets so then like the postal service is playing or whatever right and you go and then ho hopefully he, ben plays like a few death cab songs right <laughs> yeah exactly. like yeah, yeah yeah like i'll tell you i'm i'm all in on aaron west it. though like the aaron west songs are are incredible um and it's mm -hmm. it's in a in a similar way to duritz man dan campbell's ability to tell a story and make his own stories instantly and deeply relatable um and it feels like he's just playing a you um, really We've been a band for 10 together. years. No one thought we would make it. <laughs> <laughs> we are a lot closer to the end than we are the beginning. But here we are with you. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Oh, got, that's that that's another great. callback right there. The Dan Campbell voice. <laughs> those are um, those are great concerts. Those, those yeah. are three really good ones. Yeah. And, and that's why you, you go out. If, if music matters to you and there's a band or a musician that matters to you, you can, if you have the means and the time to go see them, you got to see them. And, and that's why we've got to get our butts to a Counting Crows song, preferably together. Um, and we got to keep listening to them. And uh, if you're listening to the show and, and if you've made it this far, thank you. And, and especially if you've made it this far and you're maybe not a Counting Crows kind of person, uh, give them give them another listen and, and, and maybe mm -hmm. listen differently or look for something else in their music other than the thing that you don't like or haven't been able to relate to because right. uh, songs can change over time uh, in your ears and your brain can interpret it differently. So it's it's fun to to go back and give things another shot. So hopefully, you know, if we've convinced one person out there to do that or think about this band and, 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 and the front man a little differently, I think we've done our jobs here tonight. Absolutely. I'm glad that we did this episode and we were able to talk about the band. Yeah. Um, Adam Duritz is awesome. So much fun. And I, I love, I like, I love seeing his hair grow over the years with the band. And, you know, you get to see like the younger, he kind of looked like, um, Zach De La Rocha a little bit, like, you know, people may be mistaken, <laughs> okay. but, you know, cause he had dreads and then as you get older, it just gets bigger and bigger. And, um, yeah, is there anything else you'd like to say about the band, Chris? No, that's it. I think, I think we did a perfect job of, uh, discussing the ethos without, getting sidetracked too much into some of these songs too, that yeah. we could talk about for a long time uh today was it was We're saving it, was, it yeah exactly it was about it was about everything and i think we did a good job discussing august and everything after every exactly and there's a lot after yeah that's fantastic awesome. so last thing we're gonna do is we're gonna do songs of the week so we're gonna yeah. pick a song mm -hmm. put on our playlist and suggest it to you all so i'm gonna keep it simple we do this time to time and i think that a colorblind is got to be on the playlist brilliant um so on that we love i prefer you know prefer a live version we're gonna be i'll find one and put it on there but uh you know anything live would be really good um but you know studio is fine as well you'll right you'll, you'll get it all the same i agree yeah, i am fine good. 
I am fine. Um, I am not going to pick a Counting Crows song, uh, but I'm going to do a little bit of a callback to last week's episode talking about the OC. And uh, Ethan, I think you've got a good idea of what my songs of the week is going to be. So I'm still hammering the OC. I'm a little bit behind you. You just started season three. I think I've got four or five episodes left in season two, but I've got couple of free nights ahead of me that I'm going to really put yeah. some work into. I Can't grabbed an episode away. with dinner before we recorded this show. Um, but one of the songs that is on the soundtrack, I think from a season one episode, is <laughs> from none other than <laughs> the mighty Fountains of Wayne. Um, and I'm picking their song All Kinds of Time. Um, and it's just that perfect... Um, you know how you listen to music sometimes and I don't know, maybe I'm sure people do this. You, you might do this too, Ethan. But if you listen to a song and you're like, hmm, what time period in music history is this from? And like, sometimes you su you're surprised. You're like, holy shit, like this sounds so modern and it came out in 1978 or something or vice versa, right? Um, this song, you just knew <laughs> by listening to it that it had to have come out between 2002 and 2004. Um, and it did. And it's perfect. It's a perfect time capsule of the era in the way that bands like Fountains of Wayne would play and sing and write music. Um, and it's just perfect. And I've been listening to a lot of stuff from that time period because of watching the OC. And I'm yes. not stopping anytime soon. No, so, I, I th yeah. that's something that's going to definitely stick with. I love all the indie and alternative yeah. rock that was going on at the time. Oh, yeah. And Fountains of Wayne... I mean, you talk about what people thought was a one-hit wonder, but then you get into uh, some of their other stuff, and they, it's deeper. pretty solid. You sent me a few, a few Fountains of, Fountains of Wayne songs. Oh, yeah, we've been in the mix. They have been good. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, a lot of Not A Surf uh, has come up, and mm -hmm. a bunch of random, some random stuff, and right. it's good. The only, the only thing, no, it's not that I don't like it, but the, there is, there's a lot of, like, um, you know, covers of older songs or covers yeah. by bands from that time. And that yeah. was like a big cover. And it confuses time. you a little bit. Well, you hear it. And I, I just heard there was a song, um, King of Carrot Flowers. It's by Neutral Milk Hotel. And it's like one of my favorite albums ever. Um, and that song is great. Part one. And it was, it came on and I like heard it. And I was like, and I listened to the lyrics and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, who, who is this? Who's playing this? Yeah. And I thought it was a little weird. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, just cause it, I mean, it's not like a big song or whatever, but someone right. covered it. In. I didn't know how I felt about it. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. I don't know. You'll leave it. Sometimes, at that. you know, we'll get into, we can get into if, if covering a band is, is cliche or cool. Like, like, do they have to ask the band for rights? Like you have to, right? I don't know how it works. I know, I know a lot of times there. Yeah. A lot of times, um, the, the band that's doing the cover will at least reach out as a courtesy. Um, yeah. Like for example, um, one story that I love, Jerry Cantrell loves Elton John and on, on the Brighton album, uh, the last song was a cover of Elton John's Goodbye. And um, I mean, Jerry reveres Elton John and, and, and he asked Elton John's permission uh, and sent him either a demo or like the completed cover version of it. And Elton not only gave his blessing, but complimented Jerry on it. I think that's really cool. It's a, it's a good bridge between time and space. And I think a lot of times as a musician, if you cover something from someone who you admire, um, that's a really cool connection that you can make and kind of a full circle moment to that kid who heard that musician for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That definitely sounds wonderful to be able to reach out to somebody and have them be like, yeah, you have my blessing. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's going to be really weird like 20 years from now when we're in our 40s uh, or 50s and, and people are maybe covering twin size mattress and shit, you know? Yeah. 
in in that way it would be it would be yeah. crazy yeah that's gonna be like that quote um you know i i looked in the mirror this morning and i saw this man who looked like my grandfather and then i realized it was me shit oh my gosh awesome oh, yeah awesome that's another episode of the grunge bible podcast yeah, signed sealed and it. delivered thank you all for listening coming to the end of the podcast please join us next week for another episode and um you know stay in touch stay in tune to the page like and share do all of the things that a good follower would do exactly a good community member a good citizen if you will and i would be remiss if i didn't say this but happy valentine's day to everybody right. out there uh, we hope you enjoy that day regardless of what's going on in the old personal life <laughs> any, any plans chris uh, <laughs> i do i do have some plans on valentine's yeah, okay, day as a matter okay. of fact yeah man yeah, uh, it's, the, right, it's right. the end of the episode yeah my my girlfriend's flying in so she's spending most of, of this upcoming week with me so i got plans that's awesome <laughs> yeah man. i don't i don't have plans at the moment <laughs> <laughs> a lot could change in the words the of fountain of fountains of wayne you've got all kinds of time <laughs> the duality of man here on the, the Grunge Bible podcast. Absolutely. We're bringing it to you. Yeah. So please direct your DMs to me for now on, <laughs> not Chris. <laughs> all right, guys. See you all next week. Stay heavy. Rock, Rock and, and roll. roll.